Hello and welcome to another episode of African Joe Paddy. My name is Ife and I'm recording from Creel. Hi, and I'm Dihia Belhabib, and I'm the co-host of African Joe Party, and I'm recording from Vancouver in Canada. Today, we'll be talking about humanitarian action in Africa. What is it, and what should it aspire to? And we have an amazing guest to discuss this topic with us today. I agree. We have an opportunity here. We're defying stereotypes. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Mamadou So with us. He's the head of delegational delegations, International Committee of the Red Cross. Um, he arrived in South Africa on the 8th of June 2019 as the head of regional delegation for Southern Africa, covering multiple countries such as Angola, Botswana, um, Eswatini, Lesotho, Malawi, Mozambique, Namibia, South Africa, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Uh, prior to this, he served as operations coordinator for Africa at the, RCC's, uh, the ICRC's headquarters in Geneva, a position he held from uh, January 2017 to May 2019. His postings since he joined the ICRC in 2007 included Again, multiple countries such as Rwanda, Iraq, Nigeria, Afghanistan, um, Mali, uh, uh, and Palestine. And before joining the ICRC, uh, he worked for several other organizations, including the State Legislative Leaders Foundation um, in Massachusetts, USA. Um, he received his master's degree of arts in political science at McGill University in Montreal um, and his bachelor's of arts from North Carolina University, uh, from North Carolina South Central University and his associates in arts from Cape Cod Community College in Massachusetts. And the idea here of define, define the stereotype, because let's face it, all of us, when we talk about um, international uh, aid, as if is going to explain in a second, we're often imagining, you know, um, the white uh, savior syndrome, basically. And let Ife introduce the amazing subject of today. So, um, thank you so much for that, um, Dihir, and wow, I have to say, and I'm sure you agree with me, that Mamadou have a very extensive CV, and I'm so excited to learn what he's got to share with us about this topic, and without further ado, I'm just going to go straight forward to ask him, what is humanitarian action in Africa, and what should it aspire to? Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Dehia and uh, Dr. Ife for, for this very generous uh, introduction and for inviting me to, to have this, uh, this, this conversation with your, with your listeners. Um, I'm not an African because I was born in Africa. Uh, uh, I'm an African because Africa was born in me. These are, these are words from from, uh, from the great uh, Kwame Nkrumah, and, and, and that speaks to me quite a lot. Huh? Uh, as, an, as, a, as, as someone born and raised in Africa, when I am now traveling across the continent to serve people affected by war uh, and conflict, it's both uh, indeed a, 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 it's a work, huh? that's what I do. It's also a calling huh? to a large extent. Uh, but it's also, a, it, it, fundamentally, it's a service to, to our own people. Huh? So, so my posture, my, my, uh, my way of, uh, of, of doing this 
this service, this, this work uh, is, um, is sometimes a bit different, but, uh, but it's something I'm very happy to, to, to share with you. Uh, the first thing that's, that's, that's very dear to me is, is a love for, for the continent and for people uh, in, 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 on the continent. So uh, this is something that I carry with me everywhere I go. And uh, it helps me um, see people that we serve not as victims, per se, uh, not as, uh, you know, uh, clients, per se, but, but just see them as, as people who could be, uh, you know, you and me by, by, by accidents of birth. They could be also my parents, uh, my, my grandfathers and, and, and grandmothers. Uh, and when I look at their eyes, that's usually what I see. Uh, so, so, so that's the vintage bench I, I, I come from. So maybe, maybe we can, we can dive in now, uh, both regionally, uh, to, to see some of the countries where we work and where I have personally worked and, and share with you a little bit, um, you know, what the lived experience of, of those people are and how, how we have been privileged to, to serve them. Yeah. So uh, perhaps to, I can start with, uh, with, uh, with some, some parts of Africa that some of, some of you and some of your listeners know. Um, I, before I came to Southern Africa, I was serving in, in, in South Africa, in, in, in uh, Nigeria, Niger, Cameroon, Chad, all that, uh, that area known as Lake Chad Basin. Um, and, 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 and for me, it was very clear after, after, after a few months. Um, when you are a parent, who, who lives in Lake Chad Basin, whether in Nigeria, in Niger, or in any of those countries, uh, to be a parent there um, is to live with permanent fears. Uh, a fear that, um, that uh, you are not going to be able to, to protect your family, uh, that you are not able to provide them with some of the basics uh, in terms of food, shelter, uh, in terms of water, education. But, Another fear that the family itself, huh? uh, that that new bride of yours, for example, or or that 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 daughter who's learning how to walk, or that son that you have who just graduated from school and who might be the the, the hope of the of the community, that they can be taken away from you in the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. um, and this is this is this is this is you know what was very clear to me when I interacted with these communities. So when you know the details of their stories, of their experience, you, you would never ever see them as, as, as numbers huh? or oh, as figures and statistics. Um, you know, if your viewers can, can, can imagine with me, you know, um, just for one second, that, uh, that, that your village is attacked, yeah? Yeah. that your, your, your husband is, is abducted, or arrested, that your son is killed or your daughter is taken, uh, and that you run, you know, leaving behind pretty much everything, you know, your crops that were uh, quite close to being harvested, your, your home that was perhaps burned um, during the attack, and then you find yourself in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's, uh, it's 50 degrees um, hot, or 45 degrees hot, um, and there you have no water, no food, no, 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 no nothing, you know. So I'm inviting you to imagine this, but I can tell you that many of our people that I've met, 
be it in Nigeria, in, in, in Chad, in Bagasola, in, in, in Maiduguri or Damaturu or, you know, uh, regions of, uh, of Cameroon, in uh, Mayasova, Mayatanaga, etc. They don't have to imagine, you know, that's their lived experience. Um, this is why for me, it has been the, 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 the honor of my life really to, to be to be doing this work and to serve people in those kind of situations. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, so, it is. So I would I would leave this at that now since I kind of painted the picture and yeah. then we can uh, we, we can we can take it from here. No, actually, yeah. no. Please, do here. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I was just going to say to relate to our beloved audience here. Um, especially the ones that are parents, I think we all carry a little bit of that fear of what might happen to us or what might happen to our children. But listening to this, the, like this is a way to relate to that uh, as opposed to the victimhood, basically, of seeing the continent as an entire victim. And actually to relate to these communities, these communities, these people, these parents, these kids undergo a much, 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 much heightened fear. And they actually experience it in real life um, from, from these experiences that you're, you're telling us, Mamadou. Um, and I really appreciate, not appreciate that like, but I actually can understand and relate at least a little bit. I cannot possibly imagine what these people are going through and how they feel but i can relate at least to that beyond that picture of victimhood that we often uh, we often tend to be biased towards indeed, indeed. it's uh, it, it's quite remarkable huh? i mean i i met once um, this 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 lady called called fatima and she's 17 years old and and she told us what happened when her village was attacked Mm -hmm. And there she was in the bush with her mom, uh, and they're from the Lake Chad, no? they're from Nigeria. So there they were in the bush, hiding, and there were children, she was quite young, and her mom was with them. And as they were so afraid, you know what, what her mother told her? She told mm -hmm. her to be quiet, my daughter, you know? Um, Stop crying, she said. Uh, if it's our turn, or if, it's, if our time has come or has not come, they will not be able to kill us, you know? So, so she said that she then comforted us and we kept very quiet. And, and they, they kept quiet until the fighting ended and these, these attackers left and they were able to return uh, safely uh, when we found them to, 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 to assist them. So, so I was quite moved by, by, by what she said. And, and you know, I have, I have kids who are, well, one is teenager, others are younger, and I could just imagine you know, if my wife was hiding in the bush with my daughters while you know armed groups were attacking. Uh, you know, the, yeah, picturing that scene is just devastating for me. You know, um, and that's why this cannot just be a job for us. You know, it's uh, it's our communities, it's our people. The good news uh, is when you go to uh, to northeast Nigeria or to Cameroon or to Chad, you will see that. You know, when this flared and, 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 and engulfed that entire region, uh, this, this, this fighting, uh, and more than two million people have fled their home and ran, 95% uh, of them were welcomed and hosted by communities. You know, uh, communities that were themselves very vulnerable before. 
And these communities were able to share with them pretty much everything they had. Um, here in, 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 in uh, North Cameroon, um, you know, we visited a, a, com a community that hosted also many people who fled their homes from the fighting. Uh, and, 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 you know, in our mind, we thought that these were probably some distant relatives. And, but the more we, we conversed with, uh, with uh, the, our host, with the, with the, with the uh, you know, the, the household, the head of the household, we realized that actually, no, this was not his relatives at all. You know, they didn't even share the same religion. You know, the, 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 those who were displaced were, were Muslims and he was a Christian and, and they were sharing pretty much the same house. They were sharing with them everything they had. And this is the same thing I saw uh, in many parts of Africa. So, so for me, the first um, contributor to humanitarian actions is, is, is not us, the aid workers, you know. Long before we came, communities were helping each other, you know. Uh, they were sharing with them what they had. They were using local networks to, 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 to share, to, to extend solidarity to those who, 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 who felt victimized by these wars. Um, so, so for me, they are, they are the, the ultimate and the quintessential humanitarians, uh, to, to say it frankly. Uh, this is why I insist and we insist in, in, in the Red Cross that whatever we do for communities uh, such as these ones, they, they must come to strengthen those existing networks of solidarity, you know, those existing networks of mutualities and not weaken them or undermine them. Because long before we came, uh, those networks were there and, 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 and solidarity was extended. And probably long after we'd gone, uh, these networks would continue. So I found that quite, 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 uh, quite humbling, really, how, how people helped each other before we come in. And it, it is really interesting that you make that point because a lot of the time, apart from the fact that obviously the narrative sometimes, obviously when we hear about humanitarian action, the first thing that comes to mind is Africa, basically, even before someone said, maybe was, it's relating to something happening in Syria or Afghanistan, you think of a country in Africa, say Central African Republic or, or Niger or even Northern Nigeria or Cameroon. And so the question I wanted to ask you is the extent to which you think donor fatigue, especially given, especially in this context of, of the coronavirus that a lot of us countries that would usually donate or give money or funds to support the work that you do in supporting people in the continent that have been displaced or affected by conflict. So to what extent do you think that donor fatigue is affecting the work you do and also the extent to which the communities that you've spoken about that actually are the first people on the ground that support people? I wonder to what extent you think donor fatigue is affecting the ability to continue to do that and even the ability for organizations such as yours to continue to do their work. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very good question. Huh? Um, and, and, and every time I hear about this, this term donor fatigue and, and so forth, it made me think of just, just where we are today uh, as, a, as a continent uh, and the challenges that we have uh, moving forward. Um, for me personally, um, and this is what I share with government every time I meet uh, officials in Africa, is 
is you know these these conflicts these wars that we are experiencing in 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 so many hot zones in on the continent i, I equate them with cancer you know uh if we let them to linger a long time they they metastasize you know and they 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 end up reaching areas that that were not even intended to that people didn't think about so so this reflection i think it's both important for just our normal communities you know like if you are let's say you are in abuja or you are in lagos you should care about what's going on in the northeast because you know if that continues sooner or later you will be affected if you are not affected now uh when i worked in nigeria uh about uh, eight nine years ago uh we were talking about a very small conflict uh, very confined in a region uh, but today it's in four countries mm. and it's been 10 years you know thousands of people have been killed hundreds of thousands of millions have been displaced uh this is the same thing in mali you know mali was yeah it was a conflict in mali you know i worked in timbuktu a few years ago uh, but now it's not just mali it's now not it's not just the north of mali now it's the center of mali now it's burkina faso now it's the tilabiri region of 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 of, uh, of niger and expanding you know yeah. so yes donor fatigues on, on the one hand but i worry less about the donors i worry about africa i mean if these things continue to expand and grow uh i mean you know, this, the fire is going to be difficult to extend that's why for me uh yes donors are, are tired yes but but what what these communities need what we need as africans fundamentally it's not necessarily humanitarian aid the mm. people i've met in these countries they they not look they're not eager i mean nobody is dreaming of having tarpaulin being distributed to you mm. uh you know like a bucket of uh, god knows what and oil and uh, you know yeah mm. you you want to be able to provide for your own family you know and uh, and i think we need to think about about silencing the gun seriously what the best thing we can do for at least for myself i mean the best thing i can do for my children the the best heritage we can leave for them is to bestow upon them a peaceful africa you know mm. that that's really the, the 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 noblest thing we can we can leave to them because uh, i mean there was one day i was traveling from from borno uh southward um and i'm driving and i'm sitting in the back of the car just looking at 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 the, at, at, at that geography and 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 i was we were passing through some lots of water points uh the environment was extremely green uh it was during the rainy season and some places it was even difficult for the car to move because there's so much water when i was in mali i had the same flashback you know i i could i used to drive from from timbuktu to 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 uh to bamako and that's two days drive and on the road you cross rivers you cross just the verdant green the beauty of this continent you know uh with little winter so the sun is there all the time the water is there the land is there everywhere and it's very empty obviously you know when you travel across africa that's what shocks you you know besides the cities and the urban centers there is a, there is there is the immobilism you know what thomas sankara used to call the immobilism 
um, uh, in, in Africa, the, the peasants, the, the countryside is just very quiet and very empty. And then as I sat there, you know, driving from Borno to, to, to Bu or whatever, I saw these trucks coming the other direction, going up north to Maiduguri. All of them with tons and tons and tons of rice, mm. you know, being distributed to people in the north. Rice that came all the way from China, you know? And as I sat there and look at this contradiction of this beautiful land that, that God has bestowed upon us, and at these convoys of tribe moving up north to, 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 to feed our people, I couldn't help but just reflect on, on how, how this is not the solution, you know? Uh, Borno, Northeast Nigeria, that late region, used to be the breadbasket of, 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 of not just Nigeria, but of all these neighboring countries. And today we are sending rice from, Nigeria, from, from, from China. So even though I was the one who clicked, approved that, that action, you know, I was the one who approved those, 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 those assistants going up north, I, I can't find satisfaction in that. And I can't, I, 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 it doesn't quest my thirst. Uh, so what I would like to see uh, is, is a peaceful region where people can go back to doing what they once used to do. You know, Borno used to be called home of peace. I think you know, peaceful it was, I hope peaceful it will return. Uh, and so is the case also for many other parts of Africa. So, so yes, again, you know, dawn of fatigue, yes, but, uh, but we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to silence the guns on the continent. Now. That way we don't have to worry about donors. Do you think that it creates um, some sort of dependence on this kind of international aid, like the rice from China um, within communities, and that actually aggravates the situation? Or would you say that it helps um, while maybe working on an actual local solution? Hmm. It's kind of it's a, a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I think it's a two-sword night. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very clear that, um, that what we are doing as humanitarian actors is that we are helping sustain a boat that would otherwise sink. Uh, that's how I can explain it. Um, so what we are doing is never going to be 100% satisfactory for, for the communities because, again, they don't want to be in the, in the IDP camps. They don't want to be in the refugee camps. They rather be back in their communities, in their fields, uh, planting. Today, for example, if you are a herder in, uh, in anywhere in these countries, um, first of all, you got climate change. So, you know, your, 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 your grazing zone is just shrinking uh, because yes. it's raining less and less. Uh, the Lake Chad, for example, it has shrunk to 90% since 1960. I mean, that's huge. Uh, uh, so, so, so climate change is affecting your way of your ability to move around with your animals. Second, you get insecurity in the region. Yeah. So, yeah. meaning you know, you're being attacked left and right by by these armed groups who, who who got to steal your stuff to to, to stay alive. Yeah. Um, now you have COVID, so some of the markets where you used to go to sell your cattle or uh, some of them are closed, you know, because, uh, because of COVID, you know, you cannot have these concentrations of people. So 
you can imagine the, 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 the life of person. So what we do, so the assistance that we give to this, 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 this herder, uh, it does help him uh, get by you know, for some time. It, it, you know, we vaccinate their cattle, that means that they're not massively dying. We may do what we call desocage, which is like, you know, when they approach the lean season, we can purchase some, some of the ones that are very, very feeble, that might not make it to the next season. Uh, and distribute the meat to others who need that protein, and he will have a little bit of cash to buy some 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 food for the other animals. But that's not a long-term solution. Yeah, the long-term solution for me it's peace, really. Uh, it's peace. Now, now you talk about dependency earlier. Uh, it's true that there are some kind of aid. If it's not well thought through, it can lead to that kind of situation. <laughs> This is why, uh, for us, the Red Cross, it's very clear. Uh, emergency periods, uh, we do distribute, for example, food and, and you know, uh, what we call non-food items, etc. But we try to get out of that as soon as possible and, and try to, to assist communities uh, restore uh, their livelihood. It's extremely important. So, you know, when you identify people who are, let's say, mothers who are, who are single mother heading a household, you can give her food every day, but it's better that you try to see what she used to do before. Maybe she or she, or, you know, teach her new skills that she can learn uh, so that, uh, you know, after the training and, and the, 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 the accompaniment, she will be able to stand on her own feet. And, and these are my favorite moments in, in the field. It's when we, uh, you know, when we go to communities and they share with us their first crops in many years, you know, uh, etc. You know, so that now they 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 could stand on their feet. So uh, for me, that's the best way to to avoid that dependency is to get out as soon as possible from emergency distributions and assistance, and and start start uh, you know building their resilience through restoring their livelihood. When you restore somebody's livelihood. You restore their dignity, you know, because that's what every parent wants, you know, to be able to provide for your own family. And then you restore their dignity, they can start having hope, you know, seeing maybe perhaps uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and, and that's, for me, that's what humanitarian aid should, should be all about. Huh? Um, Sometimes you, you, you meet these communities, these people are strong. I mean, you meet, I've seen, I've seen the faces of people in, 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 in Africa. Uh, and I'm always stunned at how uh, they could keep, they could remain so hopeful uh, uh, despite such unbelievable odds. But when you talk to them, you know, uh, about hope and, you know, just, just how come just, you know, these unbelievable smiles that you don't see anywhere else is in their face. You realize that these smiles, they speak or they bespeak of a remarkable beauty of spirit, you know, and it's an adamant refusal to give in on oneself, uh, to give up on oneself and one's humanity. Uh, so for me, it's a, it's a powerful message that I even, so I, I learned a lot actually from, 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 you know, going to communities and, and acting like I'm an aid worker. I, I, I finished leaving these communities, even, you know, being the one who had been helped by them, just, uh, just in seeing how strong and, and, and resilient they are. When you talk about hope, you know, um, 
you realize that for, for, for many of our people in, in, in these countries where there's a war and, and it's hard and stuff, you see that hope is not even for them a, a result of a calculated, uh, you, know, an equi- you know, a calculation between the odds and, uh, and against them. Uh, but it's, it's just an affirmation of their humanity. You know, things can look very dark, but they still remain hopeful. You know, that's their way of affirming their humanity despite all the odds against them. And and for me, that's 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 absolutely remarkable. It is actually very interesting that you mentioned that the only way, I mean, regardless of donor fatigue, that the only way we can actually get to um, what we want as Africans or aspire to is to silence the guns. And then coincidentally, this year, 2020 is mm. supposed to be the year that Africa finally silences the guns. And we have already had like two podcasts where we discussed this. And so mm. given your own expert opinion as someone that works actively in the field, what then should we be doing? So we've been talking about humanitarian action. What should the continent be doing to silence the guns? Because it seems this is what we should be aspiring to. Hmm. Uh, now, now, sister, you, you got me right there. Huh? I mean, this is, uh, uh, you know, earlier I said that, you know, what the continent needs fundamentally Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily what we are offering as yeah. humanitarian aid. Yes, this is sustaining this boat, but that's uh, for me. I my ambition for the continent is just beyond, you know, providing aid. Um, what I think is is absolutely needed right now, and this I also say this to governments, by the way. Uh, uh, it's 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 just the realization that gone are the days when these wars, they end from an outright victory of one party over the other. I don't know when was the last war that was just like, you know, one enemy crushed the other until it's over and the war was won. This is, nowadays, the world has changed. Things are complex. You know, these armed groups, they operate in syndicates. They are cross-border. They use networks that existed before through you know, to trafficking and so, so things are very complex. So just for one country to fight an armed group and crush it and defeat it, it's, it's quasi impossible. This is why uh, we urge, I personally urge governments to consider finding political solutions for these wars. Huh? Uh, humanitarian action can be a bridge, you know, between that. Uh, respecting the lives and dignity of people during this fight can also be a good stepping ground. Huh? Because let's face it, when, when uh, war has limits huh? and, and there are rules that must be respected by all. And when these rules are not respected, when women are being raped during wars, when people are being arrested, detained, tortured, uh, put in dungeons, uh, these things they 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 further ferment the, the the seed of hate, you know, and hate proliferate, and 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 at some point it becomes very hard to rule out, to root out. Uh, so what we say is, first of all, 
allow humanitarian action to continue because that way we, you know, you never reach that level of destitute, destitution. Second, uphold human dignity no matter what, and no matter what your enemy does, you know, keep the high moral ground. Um, that way it will be always possible to reconcile communities later on. You know, when you don't respect those basic dignities that I mentioned, when, when rape is rampant and torture and so forth, it will be very hard to heal those wounds later on. So, so respect that minimum of humanity during war. But third, be bold, you know, consider political solutions to even crazy enemies. Because at the end of the day, that's the only way that these, some of these wars will end. Uh, uh, I'm 100% convinced in this. Obviously, you know, we are neutral and impartial. So that means that everywhere we work, we don't take sides. Um, you know, we, we side perhaps with the victims of war. Um, so it's not really for us also to come in and try to bring the solution for ending these wars. But we've got to flag the fact that people are tired uh, and they need to get on with their lives. And the only way to move to, to end this is to, to end the war. Yeah. yeah. And Africa, and by the way, I mean, one thing I'm also learning, you know, I've, I've developed an, a keen interest on, on, on just traditions, African traditions. Um, you know, the, the harm that colonialism has done to us is that it has somehow made us kind of believe that our ways were not the best ones. The best ones are now the, the, the modern Western ways. Uh, but our communities in all of Africa, we had our ways of settling differences, you know? Um, and, and, and we tend to forget these things. Um, even the way we used to fight wars, uh, we used to recognize the limits of wars. These, you see these things through our proverbs, through our, um, the, the stories that we say to each other. Uh, so basically, the, what modern humanitarian law is trying to teach are things that were very engraved already in African traditions and cultures. But uh, we don't, uh, we, we, we just, it's so self, you know, uh, we, we are so self-hatred that we don't recognize that traditional and ancient part and give it value. But, but all of these things are there. So conflict mitigation, conflict resolution, all those processes are absolutely right there in our traditions and our cultures, and we can find ways to sort it out. When I was in Nigeria, for example, I keep referring to Nigeria because I'm just fascinated by this country. Um, I used to be dumbfounded by the, 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 you know, because you have the war in the Northeast, but it's not the biggest one. I mean, the number of people being killed in, the, in what they call the Middle Belt, hmm. you know, is huge, you know? And here you have the herders and the agriculturalists and the farmers fighting, you know? And, and honestly, I am a farmer. Imagine, I have my crops. You are a herder. You have your animals. You've got milk. You know, I have grass. You have manure from your animals. And I, got, I need, I need uh, you know, fertilizers. We can find ways to create an environment where communities collaborate and work with each other. Peace is much more uh, profitable than war, especially from, from communities that are absolutely interdependent. But, but instead of operating in a 
in a positive mutuality and in a, you know in a framework of positive mutuality we uh, we operate in a framework of, of, of negative you know this mutual destruction which is just which is just uh, you know absolutely absolutely uh, toxic and unwarranted uh, why is so, that so here, because leadership there's a vacuum of leadership in so many parts of Africa I don't want to name countries but I mean we, we, we can do better huh? mm-hmm. we can do better I'm telling you there's not one and I, I mean this I'll make this confession for you that I've worked in many places there's not one place I've been where we didn't see the war coming honestly this none of these wars came as a surprise to everybody I mean, most people looking at this, they saw it coming because it just doesn't start with a bunch of army coming from the north, another one from the east, boom, they meet in such village and then the war has started. No, it's, it, it start, most of these, they start with small protests, for example, you know? And then the protests turn to some kind of situations of violence where people are now getting a bit more complicated and sophisticated. Then next thing you know, they start having few weapons for, for whatever reason, you know? For, for the case of Sahel and Lake Chad, bad luck. Libya has been destroyed and, and the weapons of Libya has flooded the subregion. Yeah. And overnight, we, came, we went from a situation of something that could have been fixed very quickly in one country to something that just now expanded in, you know, different countries with weapons that are much more sophisticated than what the armies have. And now it's complicated. Now who can go there and try to figure it out? I mean, it's really complicated. But 10 years ago, it was not that complicated. I can say the same thing about many, many regions in Africa. So, so we do need that leadership. We do need a vision of peace that's, uh, uh, that's aggressive. We need to aggressively pursue peace in, in this region. In this regard, the, 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 the Security Council has kind of miserably failed over the last 10 decades, over the last decade, let's say. Um, but we've, we've got to fill in the gap in Africa, really. Uh, the African Union must fill in that gap. You know, peace and security was a, the, the appanage of the Security Council. But what was, what was the last war that was sorted out at the Security Council? I mean, now the Security Council is so divided, you know, uh, the Russians, they vote this way, the Americans that way, the Chinese the other way, and then, uh, I mean, this, you know, so, and every war that you have now becomes almost like a, you know, if they linger for so long, they end up becoming even like a central geopolitical mess where, you know, the solution cannot even come anymore from the country itself because there's just so many foreign interests, you know, so, every foreign so- country can, yeah. Sorry about that. So it goes basically from something that could have been managed to something that is much bigger, that is really hard to manage. And even for, you know, uh, we're talking about aid, for example, to get there. Um, and it's something that we see quite often, um, I would say. We're, we're about short of time, so we will need to wrap it up. I think we have like one minute left. Ife? Okay. Yeah. okay, well, I, I, I wish we would have uh, continued this conversation, but it was such a pleasure, really, uh, talking to you. Um, just maybe one last thing, an issue that I feel very strongly about, yeah. is that, uh, you know, part of the secret of our success when it comes to building livelihood in Africa is that um, we support 
uh, woman headed household and or women in general in, 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 in places where we work because we actually learned that when you invest in women you build the resilience of, of, of communities because women they tend to invest a huge chunk of their income on 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 on, on education of their children there and, and their well being. Oh, yeah. Obviously this doesn't exonerate us, you know, men to be a bit more responsible. But but, uh, but it's it's important for aid workers to remember that. Um, yeah. And for, for, for people who carry weapons, um, I never fail to take the opportunity to remind them uh, to, to just uphold human dignity, you know, that war has limits. Right now, the biggest problems that I have, that we have, or is that, um, you know, uh, these, these groups, they're attacking a lot of healthcare centers, you know, a lot of um, structure, medical structures. Uh, today, and, and COVID has been a clear example of that. Most of the healthcare structures that you see across the continent, they are primarily run by women. Uh, women make the large majority of, of aid workers and, 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 and medical workers. So attack against these healthcare work uh, structures are by and large attacks against women. So mm -hmm. I, I like to denounce it. I like to, to fight it and also just to prevent it and try to educate people so that it doesn't happen uh, as often. But, uh, but it has been really a pleasure, huh? uh, Dr. Ife and uh, Dr. Dahir, for sharing this moment with you and your, your listeners. Thank you so much for this, um, I would say, goosebumping plea, actually. I really appreciated this and learned a lot from it. Yeah, um, thank you so very much for, for what has been an amazing conversation. And we hope that you will be willing and happy to join us at some point in the future. Anytime, anytime. It will be my honor. Yeah. And, and you stay safe and, uh, and, and remind your listeners also just to, to you know, just to practice uh, the, the, the basic rules to stay safe and to make sure they love them stay safe as well, to, to wear their mask, to, to practice uh, some distance uh, if it's possible, uh, you know, to keep washing hands and, uh, and yeah, and, and just take care of each other, really. And these, these are tough times for, for us everywhere. Uh, and we need uh, we need to be in, in solidarity with each other. Uh, look after the elders; uh, they are very important. You know, don't be just young and foolish and thinking you don't uh, you don't get COVID. Um, you know, but uh, but even if you don't or you won't or whatever, you know, think about elders uh, in Africa. Uh, that's, uh, that's 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 quite important. You know, uh, you know, uh, it's important for us to 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 look after them. Uh, I remember meeting, and, and this will be my last anecdote, meeting a 70-year-old lady uh, on, the, on the shores of the Lake Chad. She was old but extremely energetic, and I was moved to see her working side by side, her grandkids, and, uh, and that's just the beauty of Africa, you know, and that's also how we, we share the best of the old to the new generation for them to, to take up the, 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 the challenge. So, so, so really, uh, let's look after each other. Let's look after the elders, and uh, and and we will get through this uh, this difficult moment. And thank you. Hopefully, thank you so much, our dear listeners. Um, don't forget to listen to this and listen to our other podcasts, notably Silencing the Gun, and um, share this podcast with others as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, and take care. <laughs>